Good morning, church. I am not Pastor Jeff. I am Pastor Matt, Associate Pastor of Families here. Jeff is uh, uh, away in Florida. He is a much appreciated break with his family celebrating the holiday, and he should be back today and back tomorrow. So uh, Jeff texted this morning, and he said he was praying, and I appreciated that prayer as he loves the church and is concerned of the church, just as Paul was concerned of the church in First Thessalonica. So that's going to be the hardest part of the sermon today. So pray for me that I'm able to say Thessalonica over and over again. So what I want us to look at today as we continue in First Thessalonians, I want to look at hope reunited. And we will see as Paul desired to be with the church, desired to minister to the church, he desired to be back with the church just as Christ desires to be with us. So before we get into the passage, as I was looking at this passage and reading through it, it brought me back to a time when I was in high school and I was dating a young lady. And at that time, we'd been dating throughout the school year. And she came up to me and said that her family was moving to Alaska. So it took me by surprise, uh, 4,000 miles away. I was not sure when I would see her again. So as we look at 1 Thessalonians, we'll get further into that, but as we look at 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 3, 13, we see hope reunited between Paul, Silas, and Timothy in the church in Thessalonica. We see Paul's love for the church, how he understood the importance of growing, discipling, and nurturing the church. Paul knew that the church was the bride of Christ. Revelation 21, 2 says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Paul realized that God's love for us was deep and enduring. His desire was to encourage, nurture the church, and put their hope in Christ, and endure where they may also enjoy God forever. John 14.3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So let's read through 1 Thessalonians 2, 17, 3 through 13. So verse 17 says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us, For what is our hope or joy or crown or boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. 3.1 says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, so that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass, and just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and afflictions, 
We have been comforted about you, your thoughts and your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray that your word ministers to us, Lord, that it pierces our hearts and pierces our souls, Lord, that it changes us, that you would speak through this passage today, Lord, and as Paul loved the church in Thessalonica, as you love the church, Lord, we would love the church, Lord, and we would take your word. In your name we pray, amen. So what I want to look at is the context of this passage, and looking at the context, I want to look at the characters in this passage. So we see Paul. We had see that Paul had been driven away from Thessalonica, removed from discipling and growing the young church in which he had brought the gospel of Jesus Christ. He then went to Berea and then to Athens, and it pained him not to be with the church. We see Timothy. Timothy was partnering with Paul. Young Timothy was a protege of Paul. He was sent to exhort the church. We see that he went back to the church in Paul's absence to report back to Paul and tell Paul how the church was doing. We see Silas. Silas was a missionary with Paul that had been arrested. He, if we remember back, Paul was... Uh, Paul and Silas were together in prison together. They sang hymns. The prison guard was saved. Uh, then there was a miraculous earthquake that opened up the doors, and Paul and Silas uh, escaped prison at that time. So we also see in this picture, we see the Thessalonians. We see the church in Thessalonica. Thessalonica, a prominent city in Macedonia along the Roman road. It was not overly receptive to the gospel, but there was a group of, that would believe, that would take the gospel and would grow into a church in Thessalonica. But there was also a group there in Thessalonica that was opposed to the gospel. And they were opposed in a way that they drove Paul out. They drove the missionaries out and, and didn't want the church to be established as they believed that the Jesus that Paul was preaching was not the Jesus of the Bible. So in this Scripture, we also see Jesus. The picture that we see here is Jesus and his second coming. His return for the church for which he loves and for which he died. The narrative of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a gospel message showing that God is a God of love who created us for relationship and with him, relationship with him, one where he loves us, cares for us, died for us, rose again, and is coming back in order that we may spend eternity with him in peace and harmony forever. So we also see in this passage, we see Satan. And what is Satan doing? Satan's prowling around. He's creating chaos. He's driving the missionaries out of the city in order that the church wouldn't be established, in order that Christ would not be king of the church, and that Christ would not be their savior. Uh, we know this. We know this as the students are studying. Uh, in Genesis, we know that Satan was in the garden. Satan was tempting Adam and Eve. Uh, was a, a big part of the fall of man. We see that Satan was working against Jesus in the wilderness. He was tempting Jesus. If he could get Jesus to fall, if he could get Jesus to sin, then Jesus would not be the perfect sacrifice. 
and would not be our savior. So in this, we see the the characters in this. So the context here is that you have Paul and Silas and Timothy that have gone on a missionary journey to bring the gospel to the city. There was a group that received the message and believed. There was also a group opposed to the word of God and drove the missionaries out, leaving an infant church that Paul had great affection for. Paul felt that his work was not done and desired to be with them as they grow. So just kind of a quick analogy, I would think, is if you were raising your child up, he was to about the fourth or fifth grade level, and then you took him up to the University of Tennessee and you dropped him off, they told you you had to leave, and you weren't sure when you would see them again. So it was, Paul had a great affection for the city of Thessalonica, for the church there. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to nurture them. He didn't feel they were quite ready to be where they needed to be as a church to continue on in growing them. So before we get any further, I wanted to look at what the definition of hope is. So the definition of hope is to trust in, to wait for, look for, or to desire something or someone, or to expect something beneficial in the future. So if I can read that again, to trust in, wait for, look for, desire something or someone, or expect something beneficial in the future. Uh, I believe John Owen said it well when he said, hope in general is but an uncertain expectation of a future good which we desire, but as it is a gospel grace, all uncertainty is removed from it, which would hinder us of the advantage intended in it. It is an earnest expectation proceeding from faith, trust, and confidence accompanied with longing desires of enjoyment. So with this, I've got uh, three points. Not sure how many we'll get to, but uh, hopefully we'll get through them all. So with this, hope reunited is a, a loving hope. Paul had a loving hope for the church So I think it's important to go back to the beginning of Paul's ministry to the people of Thessalonica to see Paul sharing a loving hope. So if you turn back in your Bibles, turn to Acts 17, and I want to read verses 1 through 9. This shows Paul's original visit to the church and how he brought the gospel message to the church. So Acts 17, verse 1 through 9. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis... In Amphipolonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, and was as his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as they did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the word upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus." And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So Paul's ministry began with proclaiming the gospel. To love someone is to share the gospel message. Isn't that what God gave to Paul on the road to Damascus? 
Isn't that what he has given us? Isn't it the most important gift ever? Paul brought this gift to Thessalonica, and shouldn't we do the same? 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5 says, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming unto you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but demonstrations of the spirit of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we see there, for I indeed to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul loved the church, and in that loving hope, he took the gospel message to the church. Paul knew that the gospel, well, let me read this. Charles Spurgeon said, never lose heart in the power of the gospel. Do not believe that there exists any man, much less any race of man for whom the gospel is not fitted. So Paul knew that the gospel has the power to save, that teaching and preaching the word of God glorifies God, and that it shares who he is as a loving God and wonderful Savior. To love others as Christ loves us is to share the gospel. So a loving hope delivers the gospel. A loving hope also disciples others. So we see in Paul's work with the city, Paul brought the gospel. Paul didn't simply come in, bring the gospel, Ask the people to walk an aisle, raise their hand, and then leave. No, Paul went there. Paul gave them the gospel, preached Jesus Christ, and then was with them, continuing teaching and discipling, loving and praying for them. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Paul understood that. Paul gave them the word of God because he knew the word of God had the power to change them. It wasn't going to be his per- pervasive speeches, his, uh, his motivations, or his actions so much as it was going to be the word of God that was going to change him. Um, I like how that, that verse just shows how it's the soul. It changes the word of God, changes the soul, it changes the spirit. It changes joints and marrow, and then it also changes our thoughts and our intentions and our hearts. It pierces, and Paul saw that. So a loving hope disciples others. A loving hope also prays for each other. Um, If we see in 1 Thessalonians 3.10, if we turn back there, if you're still in Acts, back to 1 Thessalonians 3.10, we see that, As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking. So you see that Paul prayed for the church. So Paul not only shared a living hope by sharing the gospel and by discipling, he shows here in this passage he prayed for the church with dedication and consistency. Psalm 119, 147 says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. Ephesians 6, 18 through 19 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. 
So the psalmist rose before dawn. In Ephesians, we see Paul here encouraging the church to pray for each other, to pray for him, and do it most earnestly day and night. A.W. Pink said about prayer, real prayer is communion with God so that there will be common thoughts between his mind and ours. What is needed is for him to fill our hearts with thoughts and then his desires will become our desires flowing back to him. So we see a loving hope prays for each other. A loving hope also desires to be together. Verses uh, 2.17 in 1 Thessalonians says, verse 17 It says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face. We see also in 3, 6, in verse 6 in chapter 3, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported to you that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. And then verse 10 said, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. Paul desired to be with the church. The church is a family that desires to be together. The psalmist, well, let me jump down here. Um, Paul described, to, Paul desired to share life with the church in Thessalonica, to share in their ups and downs, to see their emotions, to get a feeling for how he could minister them. In today's world of technology, we have churches that are online. We have virtual churches. We have some that say, well, I don't go to church. I watch church on the screen or on the computer. Well, that's, it's not the same, and Paul understood that. Paul understood that there is power in being in the presence of each other. Uh, when Yannette moved to Alaska 4,000 miles away, um, and some of you students might find this hard to believe, but we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have FaceTime. We didn't have Snapchat. We couldn't text each other. If we wanted to communicate, it was through a letter. And actually, you had to write it out and put a stamp on it and put it in the mail, and it would get there uh, a good while. Um, but it was that, or you could pick up the phone, which was connected to a cord, and you would dial. We Actually, I think we had dial we didn't have to do this but um, we could communicate that way but that way they would charge you for every minute that you spoke on the phone so you'd have to call like later at night when the rates were a lot less so there was a we couldn't be together you know you couldn't see each other you couldn't share in that in the emotions of each other and Paul realized that. Paul realized in order to minister, in order to speak, in order to grow together, that, it, that you need to be together. So as we look at this, we get to our second point, and we look at an enduring hope. Um, 1 Timothy 4.10 says, For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Um, so we see that Paul, in this passage, Paul warned the church. He told the church. He told them that there would be trials, that there would be tribulations. He encouraged them to endure through this, not to lose faith, not to, not to lose hope, but to keep their eyes and their faith directed 
at Jesus Christ. J.I. Packer said, God's wisdom is not and never was pledged to keep a fallen world happy or to make ungodliness comfortable. Not even to Christians has he promised a trouble-free life, rather the reverse. He has other ends in view for life in the world than simply to make it easy for everyone. He later said, his immediate objectives are to draw individual men and women into a relationship of faith, hope, and love towards himself, delivering them from sin and showing forth in their lives the power of his grace to defend his people against the forces of evil and to spread throughout the world the gospel by means of which he saves. Paul understood that as believers, trials were imminent, not only for him, but for anyone who believed. He warned the church to prepare them and to encourage them to put their hope in the Lord who would give them the strength to persevere. Paul also wanted the church to see that our momentary afflictions are not because of God's plans are being thwarted, but that God is working in and through them. We know that Romans 8.28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who've called according to his purpose. So an enduring hope suffers trials. An enduring hope also seeks holiness. We see that Paul encouraged the church to be holy. In verse 3.13, it says, that so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. First Peter 1.16 says, you shall be holy as I am holy. J.C. Ryle wrote in a book that he wrote on holiness, titled Holiness. He said, a holy person will strive to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. He will not only live the life of faith in him and draw from him all his daily peace and strength, but he will also labor to have the mind that was in him and to be conformed to his image. Paul here was encouraging the church to be holy. Paul desired that there be evidence of a saving faith in the church. As God works in and through us as believers, there is evidence of love, repentance, and holiness. So we see Paul, as he ministered, as he sent Timothy back to get a report on the church, he desired there to be fruit in the life of the church so that he would see the holiness of God and he would see evidence that the church there was growing. So we also see, lastly, we see a future hope. We see a future hope seeds God's desires to be with us forever. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope, our joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. And then he ends the chapter and he says, he says in verse 13, so you establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. So God desires to be with us, to show and share what is glorious, how glorious he is. We are the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. This is a wonderful picture of God's love and care for us as we believe. He desires us to be with him forever and that is humbling and wonderful thing to look forward to. Paul knew that the church was the prize of Christ's work on the cross and desired that it was known for the glory of God. So a future hope sees that God desires to be with us together. Just as Paul desired to be with the church, desired to share life with the church, desired to grow together, Christ desires to be with us. He created us for relationship. He loves us. He sent his son to die for us. 
He rose again, and he's coming again. And at that point, we will be together. So a future hope looks forward to the coming of the Lord. Titus 2.13 says, Look for the blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 55 says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a ministry. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Paul knew the Lord was coming back for the church and encouraged the church with hope. So with that, we see Paul's love for the church. And we see Paul's love for the church was because Paul understood Christ's love for the church. Paul was changed on the road to Damascus. Paul was saved from the sins that he had committed before he was stricken down on the road. He was saved from his sins as he walked out. Paul struggled in his ministry, but Paul also looked to Jesus Christ for his strength. He looked to the word of God for the strength. Paul loved the church, and he exemplified it in his missionary journeys. He exemplified it in how he persevered, how he went through life. He was shipwrecked. He was tortured. He was beaten. It's later believed that he was beheaded for what he believed. Paul preached a Jesus Christ that was contrary to what others had believed, and Paul persevered through it. So Paul says we are, this is a, a quote from Joel Beek. Paul says we are to be moving and active. We must be motivated by our steadfast resurrection hope to become active in the work of God. We must be willing to die every day for the sake of the gospel, says Paul, who fought with wild beasts in Ephesus. Why would Paul do that if Christ had not risen from the dead? But he has, and that put wind in Paul's sails. It gives us strength and hope-filled expectations. It makes us want to be about the business of the king. We want to aim for our Father's glory, for the edification of the saints, and for the salvation of the lost. So we see hope reunited. We see that Paul did not make it back to Ephesus at that time, but he did send Timothy. Timothy returned with good news of how the church was growing. We see a loving hope that Paul displayed for the church. We see how he delivered the gospel. We see that he discipled the church. We see that he prayed for the church. We see that he desired to be with the church face to face. We see an enduring hope just as Paul had encouraged the church that they would go through trials. They would go through difficult times that Satan would be in there to thwart the plan that Jesus Christ has for the church. He encouraged them through those times. He, he taught the church and encouraged the church to seek holiness in their lives, to be like Christ, to be holy as God is holy. And then he encouraged them with a future hope that this is not our home, that Jesus Christ loves us so much. He died, he rose again, he's coming back again. And at that time, he will put away all trials, all tribulations, all sicknesses, all pains and hurts. And at that time, he will create a new heaven and a new earth. 
and we will be able to enjoy in his glory forever. So then Paul also said, you know, taught the church to look forward to that return. And that's, what, that's where our hope is. Our hope is in Jesus Christ who loves us, who came and saved us from ourselves. So in closing, I want to read to you Ephesians 1, 15 through 22. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills in all. Let me pray. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word, Lord. May we be encouraged by your love for us, Lord. May we be encouraged by Paul's ministry to the church in Thessalonica, Lord. May we, as we go, love others, Lord. May we take your gospel message, Lord. May we disciple others, Lord. May we look to places like Cincinnati, Lord. May we look to places like Africa, Lord, and continue to disciple and continue to minister, Lord. Continue to pray, Lord. Give us the strength, Lord. May your word work in us and through us. And it's in your love, in name we pray. Amen.